I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When I do that, my moustache bit actually looks a wee bit like the Batman symbol. Aye. This is the 20 Minute Tim's flagship podcast, the last one of the season, and I am, of course, joined by Melly. Yes. And Stephen. What is happening, folks? And although it is the last flagship podcast of the season, it's not the last 20 Minute Tim's podcast of the season. No, the work keeps coming over at patreon.com slash 20 Minute Tim's. If you're not aware of what Patreon is, it is a subscription service that lets you support our humble podcast in exchange for extra content. And as the football comes to a close, the Patreon doesn't. Stephen, would you like to tell the good folks what they'll be experiencing over at patreon.com slash 20 minute Tims? Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm glad you asked, Jamie. I'm glad you asked. We are, we've currently got the, the weekly Friday phone in, which is officially the patrons' favourite podcast that we do, including this, including the yep. flagship, the, the Patreon, the, the Friday phone in is the most popular thing we do. And that's a chance for patrons of the treble and all in tears to have their questions comments concerned whatever they fancy aired on the podcast to be answered by us three motley crew and we have the ever increasingly popular tmt pub quiz the saturday pub quiz which goes out live hosted by yourself jamie and where people compete from a distance of course they are from home well, we're not gathering people in a pub. God, no. We don't, we don't want to shut down over this. Driving 240 miles either. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, God, no. Although it would be a good, as good a reason as any to, to join the TMT <laughs> quiz, uh, where people competing for prizes every Saturday night live at 8 o'clock. Also today, as a wee treat, we released a, a special podcast. That seen as it's the anniversary today, the 53rd anniversary. God, 53. Can, can you believe it's been three years since the 50th anniversary already of the, the European Cup? So we released a, a special little chat with Bobby Lennox, one of the men who was there, one of the, the legends who took part. And uh, we, we stuck that out that just this afternoon, just as a wee treat for our patrons. I would do all sorts over on the Patreon. Give it a wee check out, see if there's anything that takes your fancy. We'll also have the return of the Transfer Window podcast where we look into all the news and rumours and get scouting commissioned on Celtic's new signings. The historic match companion where we will look back at Celtic matches of note from yesteryear and, of course, their New Year's our documentary on Martin O'Neill's time at Celtic. But this is yep, the flagship... Get involved, folks. You'll feel good. We'll feel good. Everybody's happy as long as people are getting involved with the Patreon. So check it out. And that's a good a point as any to start start this flagship podcast, Melly. So 
the flagship podcast, we made a return last week when Celtic sealed nine in a row. We were basically just poised at the edge of our microphones, ready to hit record as soon as that, uh, as soon as that announcement was made. And people seem to like it. I think. I think what an image that is! Oh, sitting just, on the edge of our microphones, <laughs> <laughs> sat here waiting to record that. I am. I think. I think that was our most popular podcast of the season. Pretty much, I'm, sh- I'm sure it was. I'm sure it'll turn out to be. Uh, so many thanks to everyone that tuned in and you'd not forgotten about as well. Whilst the Celtic were away. So season recap, this is why we're here, Melly. What is your, give us a brief overview of, of how you've felt the nine in a row season went. It's pretty difficult because of obviously the circumstances in which we won it. The season has ended early, but I felt this season if we could get nine in a row and from January onwards, we were absolutely flying. I think we would only have increased our lead. I thought we would have almost certainly won another treble. To think that we could have went on and won a quadruple treble would have been absolutely unbelievable. And if we had done that, it would have been up there with an invincible treble season, I think. I think the football we played this season is up there with some of the games we did in the invincible treble. So up till March... A few minor complaints, but everything was going absolutely swimmingly. Great use of swimmingly there. <laughs> Great podcast word there. Ah, Melly's right. It's a it's a difficult one to fully digest. We've been over it last week, so I don't want to go into the whole the the, the nuance and the the details of the fact that this league was for very obvious reasons different. We, to any we other. know this. It was an extraordinary. We know this yeah, now, ex- exactly. But Melly is right. It's still a difficult one to to fully digest. I was having a having a wee look back over some stuff today, and it honestly feels like it was about three years ago I this see. season. Just this season, I was looking back to the start of the season. And I was like, I, it honestly feels so long ago. I feel like it was we've been in this football stasis, this football limbo for so long. It was quite difficult to fully contextualize the season that is, you know, officially just finished. The overall thoughts of it was that. Brilliant, wasn't it? Really, <laughs> I, can, I, I can afford myself that looking back on it now. But it was a, a, just another absolutely great, hugely successful, and hugely enjoyable season with drama along the way, of course. Uh, but and we'll get into that. But yeah, the overall thoughts was that it was just another thoroughly enjoyable season. I I think this was all, this was an important season for me at the beginning of the season. I think, and, and I've got a question to ask you later on that sort of relates to this. But this this was a big one. I just thought. You know, nine in a row, and I'd said it on the podcast was is an is an astonishing achievement yeah. to, to win nine in oh, a row. Yeah. We've been talking about it for the longest time, and it and it's just never felt real. And that when we were on the precipice of this season beginning, there was so much pressure and so much hype. They were just like this season means so much. And when the season ends, I I, I never felt nervous that we weren't going to get the nine in a row, and I, I never felt because I just when when you looked at all the arguments, there was no argument for not giving Celtic the league. It was just. No, it was when and if it was going to happen, and if I'm truly honest, I do feel that some of the enjoyment has been taken out of it for, for me as a fan. I want I just nothing is further away from winning nine in a row at Celtic Park, surrounded by your pals, get going yeah. to the pub afterwards, getting a drink, the the, the celebrations carrying out in the street. That would have been absolutely tremendous to win it with an SPFL statement. You know, unavoidable as we've already discussed. So, so there was a wee bit of a. Wee bit of disappointment at the end there. I sort of felt like it was a bit of a letdown the way that the, there's the no season. doubt. Um, there, there's a big difference between what is, you know, justice being served and Celtic finally being being awarded the league and feeling football fan satisfaction because that's something we didn't get to experience as you as you've just described. There's no getting away from that. We'll never we'll never get to fully 
celebrate this season in the way that we wanted. We, I mean, we could kick the can down the street a wee bit and say that once this is all over, we'll all, we'll all get together and have a party, but we didn't get to celebrate the ball finally getting over the line in the traditional way we would have liked to. That, that, just no getting away from that now. And it, as a season overall, I mean, talk about highs and lows from winning that treble treble to Neil Lennon getting the job. To One clue, year ago today. One year ago today, was it, as we record yes. this? Wow, wow. Um, aye, to, to the Cluj, to the Lazios, to the Rangers. Just, there's just so much that you could talk about for this nine-in-a-row season. It was just uh, event after event, and for it to come to such a, a, a shuddering halt is, is just a bit disappointing overall. But I'm just I'm just so glad that we were doing the podcast. I'm so glad that we managed to experience the sort of the nine-in-a-row this time around. I sort of touched there on melee sort of performances and, and results that stuck out to me. Is there any performances in the season that you, you think deserve special mention? Well, there's a good few. Like some of the football we played this season was unbelievable from the, the very start of the season, the first game of the season, when you, you batter somebody 7-0. That's an incredible start. But there just seemed to be, if Celtic, we only dropped points in four games. It was At one point we dropped two points in two games in a row but after those games we just went on these winning runs and that included Europe it included Cups we just won game after game as we said one game at a time and beating them at Ibrooks when they really thought they were going to go out there and beat us we were we were really worried about that game and we put them in their place there we had other performances along the way after that but just after January when we came back we were absolutely scintillating. I think my favourite would possibly be the 4-0 win away at Fir Park during the midweek. Motherwell were flying high, third in the league at that time. And we went there and absolutely murdered them in their own doorstep. And I thought, nah, we're, we're definitely winning this league. Stephen, for you, sort of any performances, results that you think deserve special mention? Well, as I uh, started talking about earlier, looking back to the start of the season, it's actually hard to look past that opening salvo of a few games just to kick the season off. You look back to the very first game of the season, Celtic 7, St Johnston 0 at home. Those were the games, the, the following one as well, uh, away to for, for Park, beating Motherwell 5-2 as well. 12 goals to start the season with. That was the that was the section of the season that had us all predicting we're going to score 100 goals here. We're going Lenny to get 100 ball. points. So the, oh, Lenny Ball. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was the birth of Lenny Ball. That followed up by obviously beating Hearts as well and then straight into winning at Ibrox. It was a great start to the season. So it's hard to look past things like that. There were there were key moments along the way where Celtic weren't as free-flowing but still managed to get the result. I'm um, putting in mind of uh, Scott Brown scoring very late on against Hamilton Aki's at yeah, home. that was mass because Rangers dropped points that night as well. So Yeah, that's right. I mean, that, that was just after Hamilton had scored as well in the 90th yeah. minute. It was Okimbo um, and Scott Brown scored uh, with his left foot, which is, which is a rare one. There was also winning at Pataudry, yeah. 2-1, with Christopher Ayer scoring very late on as well. All huge moments that didn't that didn't, weren't necessarily the absolute drillings we were handing out at the start of the season, but all equally, if not more important. I think for me, Stephen, the 7-0... Kicking off the season seven, what a way! To, what a way to to start yeah. a league campaign, especially with, you know, in the context of Neil Lennon getting the job and those doubts at the back of people's minds. What what a way! What a way to start the season! Absolutely murdering them, and as you said, that run of games, the five two at Motherwell, then beating Hearts, then going on to play Rangers at Ibrox, Johnny Hayes scoring the absolute <laughs> yeah. death. I still remember going absolutely tonto in your house when we done <laughs> the, right, the, yeah. the match, match the yeah. match companion for that game. I I, I just I honestly couldn't believe it. 
Um, so domestically, I some of those those are definitely my, my performances of the season. Melly, you touched on the Motherwell, the game Edwards scored twice and McGregor got his goal, beat Motherwell four 0 and, and as you say, Motherwell were a, were a force this season. You know, Motherwell oh, yeah. were a, a difficult nut to crack for a lot of teams, and Celtic just absolutely steamrolled them. Um, the drillings that we handed out to Hearts, you know, <laughs> I, you know that phrase, love to see it. Absolutely, do love to see it. <laughs> Um, the one in February, the 5-0-1 was excellent as well. Uh, seeing, seeing that run, right, obviously we lost at home to Rangers at uh, the end of December, but we spoke a good bit about that last week and how that could have turned the season either way. Yeah. It was just the one, it happened to be Celtic that, that took the impetus and pushed on from there, and Rangers certainly didn't. They, they seemed to go backwards. But you look either side of that game, it's just win after win after win. 20 wins either side of that game in a row. If you take the, the, the defeat, which you can't do, you can't just say, we'll take that out of there, that doesn't count. It obviously happened, but it was a big moment for Celtic as well. But 20 wins in a row either, yeah. either side of that is absolutely incredible form, only to be halted by the 2-2 draw at Livingston. Even, even that was... What turned out to be the second last game of the season. Even that was pretty significant because Rangers get beat at home at Hamilton that night and instead of <laughs> us missing yeah. a chance to go ahead uh, we got a last minute equaliser and went further ahead it just everything just seemed to it seemed to click into place after January we just went out and murdered teams even that Livingston game was a really tough game but we still fought it out right to the end and got something out of it one of the enduring images of the season will always be that the, when Hamilton beat Rangers was Neil Lennon turning to someone on the bench and saying Hamilton aye <laughs> that's <laughs> right aye, aye. <laughs> oh, that's oh no what, speaking of Neil Lennon moments who was it who, was it when he told Mickey Johnson to get to fuck remember that <laughs> don't fuck off <laughs> aye, fuck off aye. <laughs> fuck off you um, I, I think it's fair to say that this season a lot of people were there was a concern that Rangers had we're making progress under Steven Gerrard, and I don't think there's any doubt that Steven Gerrard has brought Rangers on um, further than most of the diddies they've had in charge in recent years. That's not to say he's yeah. not a diddy. I think there's still question marks over how good a manager he actually is um, based on Rangers' absolute arse collapsing that, that happened in January. Yeah, see, when we come back from January, obviously Rangers are flying. We changed the system, went 3-5-2, but... We came back to that and we were a bit worried because you come into it with the Partick Thistle game where we didn't look brilliant, but we got the result in the cup. And then after that in the league, that was the point where Chris Boyd was going on about all these away games. We had out of nine games, six of them away from home, and we won every single one of them up to we dropped points against Livingston. Nine games just absolutely battered teams away to St Johnston. What was he rhyming them off? Away to Hamilton, away to Motherwell. And we went up and we were winning by two, three, four goals in them. We were yeah. absolutely brilliant. And look, Lennon and that deserve a lot of credit. But also the players as well, coming back from that, just resetting and then playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, just going through teams one by one. And when you look at the remaining games that we had, we should have had, after the split, five home games because we'd played the top teams away from home yeah. twice. So we haven't had it easy. We've had all the harder games this season and we just absolutely went through every team. Let's talk a wee bit, Stephen, about the performances against Rangers because as I, was, as, I was, as I was alluding to there, a lot of people, you know, when the season kicks off, you're thinking, right, the, the, the game's... The games against Rangers are going to be the, the important ones. I, I remember drunkenly bumping into um, a member of the Celtic management team in a, in a Glasgow West End pub and sort of saying to him, 
just having a bit of a chit chat with him, saying, "Look, do you think it's going to come down to the games between us and them this season, and us and Rangers? You think that's what it's going to come down to?" And his, he just looked at me right. He just looked right at me and went, "Nah, no chance." I've got to be honest. I thought it might. I thought that that's what it would come mm, down to. Yeah. We managed to play Rangers in two league games. We won away. They beat us at Celtic Park. How do you think the performances against Rangers were this season, Stephen? Frankly, not great, to be perfectly mm. honest. I think um, obviously beat them. But I remember going through phases in the podcast this season where we talked about how we, we need to halt this. Not luck, but we seem to be getting away with it against Rangers quite a lot. Now, that could be entirely down to mentality. We've talked quite a lot about the, the Morelos factor and that he seems to have just developed a, a mental hurdle where he cannot score against Celtic. Now, Celtic players don't have that, don't have that psychological burden. They are, they are all winners, um, and that's been proven once again. But there came a time where I would I thought to myself, we can't continue this. We can't. This is unsustainable. We can't keep allowing Alfredo Morelos to have so many chances and just relying on the fact that his head's gone to to bail us out or heroics from Foster. We didn't really get a defining dominant performance over Rangers this season. Having said that, two games against Rangers were taken away from us by by the, the global crisis we find ourselves in. So we, we never know. I'm, I've, I have quite a lot of confidence that they probably could have put that right at iBooks before before the, the game was cancelled. But overall, the, the performances weren't great. They didn't have to be in the end. But what I would say to that is you'd never, ever want to be losing at Celtic Park to Rangers. Certainly not a... Certainly not a Rangers team with those players and that manager. Within the context of this season as well, when we're talking about the whole thing, it's it's probably quite important to remember that it was, at least temporarily, it was briefly a title race. The yep. Rangers yep. were in it to, to an extent. They were outright top at one point, but it, it just didn't last. They, they just couldn't sustain it. They, they threw it away. Well, again, Celtic just went from strength to strength. There was a time where they went outright top of the league for the first time in, well, quite literally years since they came back into existence or since they came into existence for the first time, rather, just before I get any <laughs> tweets about that, about that coming. <laughs> so uh, I've branched off a bit from what you were saying. The, to to summarise, the performances weren't great, but to beat them at Ibrox is always always a special feeling. I think I think you're right. I think I was... I was quite disappointed that, uh, to be honest, I think my if we'd gotten to play Rangers in a game that was subsequently postponed or, or whatever, it's been cancelled, whatever, um, I think Celtic would have absolutely battered them. The, yeah, the mindset yeah. the Rangers were in and the, and I think if we just got to play that game, it would have shut up so many people. Would have shut some, mm, I mean, yeah. I don't really care about what they have to say about it, but I really think they got off light by not playing that game. Um, I, I thought we were very poor at Celtic Park yeah, that was a, a performance that I didn't enjoy watching at all yeah dreadful yeah yeah well, that performance is what spurred us on isn't it we changed our formation after that we looked at our laurels and we sorted it out <laughs> we said it had to be done because that was that game and the League Cup final we were just dominated by Rangers and it wasn't good enough so to change it up find a winning formula and get Lee Griffiths and Edward in there it just changed the whole season round and we were just absolutely going through teams. Now, as you said, if we had got the chance to play Rangers after the game at Celtic Park, you think, oh, it might be tight. 
I was under no illusions that we were going to beat them. We were going to beat them and we were yeah. going to beat them handily. They'd barely won a game since the start of the year. They'd just been beat by Bayer Leverkusen at home. They were there for the taking and we would have went out and annihilated them. But we didn't get the chance to do that. And if this season had went on, by the time we were crowned champions, it could have been 20 points because they were in free fall. We were just beating teams Every every team that came in front is we just beat them. So by the time we were crowned champions, it could have been twenty points. I don't think there's any doubt for me that 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 Celtic Rangers game was the turning point this season. That's when Celtic's mentality kicked in. That's when that 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 team of winners kicked in and the team of losers caked the bed to to use <laughs> to use Melly's parlance. Yeah. Um, I, I think the celebrations after that game. You know, it's it, fair enough. It'd been X amount of years since they'd beaten us at Parkhead, but you're out there on that pitch, Stephen, celebrating like you're won the league. You'd no one in at that point. All you'd won was three points. It was uh, it was that simple. Whereas Celtic, you know, it's a cliche, and, and Scott Brown and Neil Lennon say it all the time. But nothing has been truer for the past nine years. Celtic do their talking on the pitch. There was yeah. no excuses. Nothing in the paper. Celtic handled it all in house. Um, and Callum McGregor was in the newspaper this weekend saying Scott Brown was an influential figure and in, in galvanising the team, bringing them forward, saying this is not the, the, the Celtic we are. We're better than that lot and we're going to have to go out and prove it. Yeah, and it, it'd probably be too easy to, to dismiss it entirely as arrogance from Rangers players and support and management. I don't really care what the support think, but the, the players and management, it's probably somewhat arrogance, but also revealed a lot of inexperience, I thought, if the, oh, if the shoe was on the other foot, as you've just said, Scott Brown wouldn't be allowing that kind of thing to be celebrating a league under those circumstances. I can't I can't help but feel but I'm, like a more experienced and more level-headed manager would have had them straight off the pitch. Like, go yeah. away away and have a wee celebration with our fans and then get up the road because this, this is only just the beginning of the title race. But no, what happened happened and I can't help but feel it was a little bit of naivety from the, the Rangers. You're, you're looking back at it now and they just look foolish. Every single one of them yeah, looks yeah. foolish. Now, you know, people will turn around and go, look, we have a party at Ibrox every time we beat them. We're tying, mm. we're tying scarves and I bet that, that's different because I don't know how it's different, right? But it's just different. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's I was going to say, because, because we, can back, we can back it up after that, can't we? we yeah, can because we're serial, be, yeah. we're serial winners. We, 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 we're serial winners. We're putting our rivals in the place. And we're allowed to do that. Rangers win one game against us at Celtic Park for the first time in many season ticket holders' lifetimes, and and they're partying like they won won the league guy, and and yeah. it, it bore it bore out that way because the last I, thing I, we I are though, believe that's what caused it. The last thing we are though, on generally on here is the celebration polis because that can come across as a wee bit bitter. See if somebody's like over celebrating because yeah. they're beating you, and you're like, oh, you're celebrating too much. No, but it, it's a bit of the, the, there's a, a bit of that, but there's a wee bit of context goes into these things as well. See if you score a last minute winner, it doesn't really matter who it's against. Let's see if it is against Hamilton Aki's like Scott Brown did. You're well within your rights to celebrate based on the tension that the, the previous couple of minutes had caused. But having won it, just having won at Celtic Park, and just I, I, you're right. I'm struggling to articulate just how it was different, but. It was just different, all right. <laughs> I don't. I don't need to explain myself. <laughs> no, um, but I, as I said, I think it just showed belied a little bit of naivety. They they had a chance there to to do a wee bit of celebration and swagger off the pitch as if they owned the place, but they didn't. They get too carried away and just and just made fools of themselves. There was, of course, uh, another Glasgow derby that we need to talk about. Celtic played Rangers in the League Cup. 
final. That was about as one-sided effort against Celtic that I've seen in a long time. But again, it's winning mentality. Celtic were under the cosh for massive, massive periods of that game. But did anyone's head go down at any point? No, it it didn't. We kept doing our jobs. We kept working away. Fraser Foster produced a performance the likes of which I've not seen since Fraser Foster, uh, first first time around. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he reinvented the the, the Great Wall. And, and Julian comes comes out with the goods and Rangers are left with nothing again. And and to be honest, that's the way I like it, Melly. I don't like the performance, but see once the final whistle goes and we've got our hands on the trophy and they've got hee-haw, I'll take that every single day. Yeah, I remember after recording the Monday podcast, you said, never do this again, Celtic. <laughs> never do it again. <laughs> and you know what? See going out and winning a League Cup final 1-0. We beat them before. Remember the, the Griffith crossed it for Dembele and we could beat them 1-0 in the last the last minute. We deserve to win that game. But see to win that game being under the cosh, having no striker. Lewis Morgan started up front that day. Johnny Sweet Hayes God. was playing for us. We, we were a bit patchwork. And we never gave up. We never gave up. We got stuck in there. We did, did the hard graft and we came out that game. It was horrible being at it because you thought they're going to score at some point. But the longer it went on, the saves, Edward coming on, winning that free kick, going for Julian, and then we had something to hang on to. And then for them, he missed the penalty after it was going down to 10 men and Celtic just dug deep. And that is where the winning mentality came in. If the shoe was yeah. on the other foot, they would never have been able to do that to us because they don't know how. But we just ground it out and got the victory. And that must have been horrendous for them because what are they left with? That was a chance to win a League Cup, their first trophy. That You know how it was when we had to go and stop them getting 10 in a row. We got that Scottish Cup and it gave us something to build on. They're going into next season with nothing. They've never won a trophy in their history. They've been what top for a week or two but they haven't got anything and our mentality got us through that game and the sheer relief and pandemonium I get emotional watching the highlights of that every time because it was absolutely tremendous the players as soon as the whistle goes Foster does that slide in the grass for no reason whatsoever the players run (laughs) over at the fans Julian's right in there there's a guy with sunglasses on it's iconic stuff 10 in a row as Chris Sutton says 10 trophies in a row that's us now in 11 and look look what we're on the cusp of now the story of the season can be told via knee slides and things like that because you've just talked about Foster's slide for no reason there there was Julian's expertly executed knee slides um, beautiful after after scoring that was in the cup final wasn't it yeah yeah. the league cup final there was Scott Brown's horrific effort after he scored that <laughs> one against Hamonakis uh, it was one of those dead. brilliant ones it was one of those brilliant <laughs> ones where he tries to slide and his knees just go straight into the ground like a tent peg and he just falls over it's hilarious man there was, there's been loads of that Julian's one the, against the uh, Lazio in the first game he didn't quite nail it either did he when they yeah the that's goal. right actually <laughs> but the, the one that the league cup final he, he, he slides and turns around and welcomes his teammates in at the same time I don't, I don't know how he did it incredible technique but but on the, the league cup final you mentioned them there Fraser Foster I, I remember it's not like me to go over the top but I remember talking after that game about how with his performances like just his overall performances at Celtic that goes in there with the you don't have to go back that far. The, the performance, is save at home to Lazio, yeah. several performances like that. And then you're going back even to Barcelona and things like that. He, with that cup final, I think he entered himself into the conversation for greatest 
you know, Celtic keepers of all time. Obviously, oh, he's never sure. going to win the he's never going to win the European Cup like Ronnie Simpson did. But after that, it's Fraser Foster for me because the body of work he's put in at Celtic has been nothing short of miraculous. It was this season he has been unbelievable, and I, I don't think it's overstating it to go back and call that like the Fraser Foster final because the yeah. string of saves he made it could have been a route you can't dismiss it entirely as. Alfredo Morelos just having it in his head that he can't score because Fraser Foster performed heroics that day and somehow kept him out, saved a penalty as well just to top it off. So Fraser Foster deserves all the credit in the world for that game and for the, for the season he's had. I wasn't sure about him coming back at all, I have to admit it. I thought it stunk a wee bit of getting the old band back together. Mm-hmm. You're maybe looking to pull back a guy who is past his peak doesn't seem to be getting a game. The game seems to have been moved on. Seems to have moved on without him. But boy, was I completely and utterly wrong on that because he's been... <laughs> I mean, what a signing. I think I think Fraser Foster in total now has been at Celtic for five seasons, mainly. I think that was his fifth season. Two on loan, two under contract, and then back on loan. Hmm. Admittedly that my memory isn't as good as yours, but I, I can't remember Fraser Foster having... He's a, You would define Fraser Foster as... A, a consistently solid goalkeeper. He's an eight in every every game, more or less, isn't he? I can't remember any howlers out of Fraser Foster really at any time. Yeah, I'm trying to rack my brain for this season to think of any howlers and there's none immediately spring to mind. The guy, we all know that he's... Was he at fault for a goal in Europe? At Cluj, he did no come for something. That, that's, he wasn't that's here for the first then. Cluj game. That was, that was Scott Bain who was in goals for the, the catastrophe at Celtic Park. Um, Maybe. Foster Maybe hasn't arrived at that point, yeah. Mine made four games against Cluj, but it's a high possibility. Yeah, like Stephen said at the start of the season, it wasn't one of those signings where you thought, we need a keeper, because you can all say, Scott Bain's fine. But again, I think it was just the rest of the team needed a lot of work done that we thought, maybe that's one of the things you don't need. But it just shows you what a keeper can do, because if we didn't have him, we wouldn't have won the League Cup. We definitely wouldn't get through in Europe. And... Some of the, he's just a solid guy. You see, having him behind you, it calms the whole defence down because they know he's solid. He's kicking, obviously, isn't the best, but he's not going to be the perfect yeah, keeper. <laughs> but <laughs> the saves that. the guy can pull off is wins you games. And if we go back to that League Cup final, he pulls off the saves. Your £7 million centre half scores the goal after your main striker comes on and wins the free kick. As we kept seeing this season, you get what you pay for and the big players showed up for Celtic when we needed them and Foster was one of them. His kicking isn't like extraordinarily bad though because yeah, I think we've, we've been through the ring. It is, it is quite it's bad. Not, but Don't make me pull up Wisecout, it's not. It's, it's, well, it's pass, it's, pass completion from long long passes is, is really quite good. Fraser Foster's you, kicking. If you Wisecout me... I will wisecout you so hard back. Don't I'll you wise, dare threaten wisecout. I'll wisecout you right in the curtain if you bring us up again. <laughs> but, first of, but the reason I bring it up is because we recently conducted a weekend of uh, Sunday watch-along party with our patrons live and we watched the, the 5-0 game against Rangers and Greg Gordon played in that game and some of his kicks in that oh. game were just staggeringly bad. Now, I'm not, dra- I'm not trying to drag us back into that Quagmire talking about Craig Gordon's kicking again for several years, but to there me, there was one that he kicked out and gave Rangers a corner from a aye, pass. from basically from his own goal line. He put it out for a for a corner like, without <laughs> any deflections or anything like that, which is incredible. <laughs> but I don't, I don't mean to derail this completely. But to me, Fraser Foster is no 
he's, he's certainly not a downgrade on that level of kicking. I think if we survive for several seasons with, well, very successful seasons with Craig Gordon, I'm sure we can put a bit from but Fraser Foster. It's an, important, it's an important point you make because in many ways, these goalkeepers are, are sort of... Uh, archetypes of of the managers that they sell because for mm. you know Brendan Rodgers refused Craig Gordon a transfer to Chelsea said he didn't want a new goalkeeper and and I distinctly remember it in the press conference he's like why would I want a new goalkeeper I've got Craig Gordon here number one sweeper keeper he's absolutely terrific and we're watching <laughs> it going maybe he means something different for what other people mean when they say sweeper keeper I don't think never in a million years would Brendan Rodgers have Fraser Foster in his team no. but Fraser no, Foster no. is the Fraser Foster is by far the better goalkeeper and I think he's honestly the better kicker. Whereas Neil, yeah, Lennon, well, comes, whereas Neil Lennon comes in and immediately looks at Craig Gordon and goes, I can't build a team with that guy. So, Gordon was even to, in when it was Scott Bain was the number one when uh, Neil Lennon came in, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah was, but, what, but there was no, the, what, the point I'm making was there was no prospect for a Craig Gordon return. As soon as no. Neil Lennon came in, he goes, Fraser Foster's my guy. It boils down to each manager's individual beliefs. Now, I'm not saying one is correct over the other, but obviously we, we know that Brendan Rodgers heavily favoured the passing ability of a keeper as opposed to their saves. The reason we know that is because he brought in Doris de Vries with a mind to making, <laughs> yeah. making him yeah. number one. And it, did, it lasted a few weeks because he quite literally didn't make any saves whatsoever. But just to, to sum up Fraser Foster, just an incredible signing. And because, <laughs> do you remember the thing at the time was that that, Tit on was it Adrian Durham said that it's actually cheating from Celtic because they've got a keeper they can't afford in goals, oh, uh, yes. winning winning yes. cup finals for them. That you've never heard of loans before. You've never <laughs> heard of loan transfers, but you could. I mean, a Rangers fan could say, oh, if it wasn't for that like loan keeper, we would have won that cup. And you're right, but he is there. Like, that's what he's, that's what he's been brought in to do. He's been brought in to make saves against your strikers. Do you know what I mean? So it's not it's not really all that deep, bro. To be perfectly honest, he just brought in brought in the best keeper that Celtic could possibly find in a fold and it worked out. We've already touched on it. Celtic did have a European adventure this season. We crashed out of the, the Champions League, much to the chagrin of many of the Celtic support. It was one of these ones where people were nervous about Neil Lennon. It was only August. We played Callum McGregor at left back. We go out to the Champions League to Cluj. Um, before that, though, we, we I mean, we breezed through the games pretty much against Sarajevo and Nomi Kaljo, 7-0 aggregating. Nomi Kaljo beat Sarajevo 5-2. We, we, we expected to breeze through against Cluj. I think that's fair to say, Melly, isn't it? Yeah, especially after the first leg, we go do the hard part and get the 1-1 draw away from home and get them back home. And it was going plain sailing until it was just... Brain farts is the best way to describe it. Just silly yeah. goals to give away. And seem to do that at Celtic Park. We've got that game, we've got another game we'll speak about later. But there just didn't seem to be a point where you thought, nah, we're going to go out here tonight. We got ourselves into the game. We're ready to go and just, I thought we were going to go on and beat them by two or three goals. And then just the Scott Brown mistake. We had Julian and Bowling goalie on the bench. That was like, what, £10 million worth of defenders on the bench. But in all, in all honesty, they weren't ready to play, were they? So it's just yeah. caught out by these qualifiers again and a new manager coming in. But after that, 
we really did improve, but it was a massive, massive disappointment at the time. Sarajevo were an uncharacteristically quite good team for that yeah. level of the qualifiers, from what I remember. I think when I remember being fairly impressed with Sarajevo. No, Mikhail, you were pretty poor right enough, but all that did was show me that Celtic had done a really good job against Sarajevo in the previous the previous round. Yeah, clues. I mean, we've been, we've been over it, of course, many, many times. There was an infamous episode of Melly at the Match on Patreon where... I jogged from Celtic Park to Deniston so I could be on the episode and <laughs> and vent <laughs> over the top of it, carried by pure adrenaline, furious. <laughs> but the rest, I mean, the rest of the European campaign was, to a point, a rousing success. I oh, think yes. there were there were huge positives to take from the European campaign this season. The especially Lazio. Lazio was the most obvious thing, of of course. But Lazio was an incredible, an astounding pair of results. To beat them home and away in exactly the same circumstances, to go behind against them both times and dig it out, it shows it's not a fluke. I mean, you could you could say you got lucky at home with the performance of Foster and getting on a corner and Julian scored the winner. But to do it away, it can't be dismissed just how incredible a result that is. One of the best away results in Celtic's recent European history. We, we spoke about it at the time. It was a result that got better and better and better as the season went on because Lazio went on this incredible run, taking them to near the top of Serie A. I, th- they, I think they were briefly top, actually, before Juventus, I think, edged ahead on goal difference at one point. So Lazio are no mugs, an absolutely cracking team in European terms, and Celtic beat them home and away. I mean, as it stands just now, I'm not entirely sure what's happened to the Italian league, whether they're paused it or they're going to begin it. But, I mean, they're, they are, they're still second in the Italian league. They're yeah. one point behind Juventus, as it yeah. stands at the moment. Just to briefly go back to the, to the Cluj thing, with hindsight, I, I was absolutely furious about about Cluj. I can't remember if I was ready for throwing Neil Lennon under the bus. Um, but, you know, with, with retrospect, I think a lot was made of the McGregor at left-back thing. I don't think that was as much of a cardinal sin as, as people thought at the time, you know, mm. or maybe even I thought at the time. I think a lot of it was down to, as you said, mainly brain farts, individual errors, in particular Scott Brown. Yeah. Um, Handling the ball was absolutely crazy. On this, I, 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 sorry, to jump in there, Jamie. I, th- I think though, if you're going to if we're going to do this, look, I don't want to just handing out free passes to people for for no reason. Lennon has gone on to do an excellent job, but I do think he got it hugely wrong that night. I don't think I wouldn't oh, I don't want doubt to he gre- got it wrong. Yeah, but I, just I wouldn't want think- to green and whitewash it. Um, no, no, in, uh, from no, history. no, no. No, he, he definitely got it wrong. But I think uh, what I meant there was people seem to to focus in on the putting Callum McGregor at left back, like that was the cause of all the problems, when in, when in actual fact, yeah. I think there was maybe more to it than that. The Callum McGregor thing is two problems, not only is he not a left back, but he is significantly weak in the midfield, which is always going to be important in European games. Uh, Callum McGregor is, well, he's not arguably, I think he's a best midfielder. They're a totally different job yeah. to Scott Brown, so you, you take that out of the midfield in order See, in to accommodate him a left back. Look- when you look at how the careers of Bowling Goalie have turned out and how long it took Greg Taylor to break into the side, do you think, with hindsight, although it wasn't the right decision, do you think Neil Lennon maybe looked at his two left-back options and went, these guys aren't ready for it? Almost Greg, certainly. Greg Taylor Almost wasn't certainly. there. So. Yeah, Greg Taylor hadn't hadn't yet signed. He was the last day of the window, wasn't he? Yeah, just the last second. He certainly, he certainly couldn't have played. So, uh, <laughs> no. uh, I, so, I, so he's looking at Bowling Goalie, is that? We know how Bowling Goalie's career's panned out at Celtic. He's probably looked down and went, this guy's not up for it. He's not ready for it. Yeah, struggle to think of any other options, really. You've really just got Johnny Hayes who would have been Johnny Hayes at left-back. So arguments to be had there, of course. But again, my my problem with it isn't that it's Callum McGregor at left-back. I have confidence that Callum McGregor could play almost every position. It's just that what you're missing from that midfield when Callum McGregor's not around is 
difficult to get over. On on Lazio, um, I think without a doubt, the two games against Lazio were, are probably my highlights of the season. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we went into that the Europa League with, with pretty pretty low expectations. It has to be said. We made short work of AIK, obviously, in the player round to get into it. But we looked at that and we said, I remember saying distinctly on the podcast, look, that's a Champions League group. Ren were flying at the time. We had Lazio yeah. and we'd already struggled against Cluj. And that, that that's a, a pretty, pretty difficult group. Celtic ended up topping it. Uh, uh, you know, lost one game, drew one game, won the rest of them. Absolutely Should have beat Ren away as well. Yeah. Should have yeah. been Ren. We, we could have been staring at five straight wins. To, to qualify from that group and then the last game didn't matter anyway so we could have it could have been even better than it actually was it didn't have to be but just uh, it, when you, you look back at it started off the group with a draw which which was a good result I think we all agreed at the time any yeah. any away uh, score draw is, is a good result in Europe I, I know it's only one point as opposed to the, the away goals but it, if, it, any draw away from home is, is generally looked upon as a good result especially going to France in a team as you said Jamie that were, that were doing extremely well but to go four straight wins, Lazio home and away, beating Cluj at home as well and beating Ren at home, is, it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, we've, in our lifetimes, we've obviously had major problems in Europe. Martin O'Neill and Gordon Strachan were both very good. But either side of that, Brendan Rodgers had these troubles in Europe as well. Oh, not, sure. to, not to go back down that route. But um, it, it's brilliant. It's, we've, we've struggled in the Europa League. And I would have looked at that with teams in the past, with Ronnie Dyla's team, and looked at that group and thought, we've not got a chance here. We're going to yeah. get absolutely pasted. But again, I feel like I'm just saying it over and over again, but I, I quite like the sentence, beating Lazio home and away. The Nazis, the, the Mussolini <laughs> supporting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Uh, just just uh, absolutely brilliant. The, obviously, there was another sort of Celtic. I, I hate to say it, but it was typical Celtic in Europe. We come up against Copenhagen and you're really, really expecting better. I remember the game vividly. We travelled over for it, produced that vlog for, for the Patreon, and we'd done a whole yeah. sort of coverage of the, the Copenhagen game. Travelled over to Copenhagen, and it was the old game of two halves, the, the oldest cliche in the book. Um, I, I thought Celtic were fine in the first half, absolutely collapsed in the second half hmm. against Copenhagen away, and then nothing short of a, nothing short of a disaster at home, really. Yeah, again, all looked rosy. Get going away from home, getting that decent result, and then you thought, look, looking. It's a decent result, but the performance. Yeah, the second the second yeah. half, but you you get away with that. Uh, probably say a draw was a fine result because good first half, poor second half. But going into the Copenhagen game, when you're at the game, you never thought again we're going to lose tonight. It was never in my mind. I yeah. thought we because mm-hmm. we were on such good form domestically as well. I thought we'll just go out there and we'll beat them. Even if they score, it'll be two, three, one to us. But the absolute collapse was just one of these things that you didn't see coming. In the past, maybe you could say, oh, well, that that was maybe due. It wasn't due. It just, out of the blue, just end up losing it quite comfortably. And it was shocking, shocking goals to give away. One thing I took away from it, and I remember talking about this at the time as well, I think it was Paul on Celtic Fans TV who brought it to my mind in one of their excellent videos, was that we always think of, and I've just said it a minute ago as well, we always think of one each away from home in the first leg as a good result, but it never is. Celtic always seem to yeah, find yeah. a way of going out from that position, so I won't be taking that for granted ever again because Copenhagen, I think if you were to take a big stamp, either success or failure, I think... It's a it's a success. Um, Europe as a whole this season, I think it's still disappointing. I think it's still disappointing to go out to a team 
such as Copenhagen in the manner that we went out against Copenhagen should have beaten them away. I think it, would, it should have been a lot more comfortable. And I know it might be it might be being greedy, it might be being a wee bit complacent, but I think they were there for the taking, to be perfectly honest. Oh, I, think oh, I agree with you, 100%. When the, when the draw was made, I think that is a winnable, that is a winnable, winnable tie for Celtic. We'd done the hard and, part we I mean, topped always... the group as well, hadn't we? Yeah, we, yeah we, we right. topped the group, we went through with two games to go, and then we win the fifth game, and we're top of the group no matter what, so going into that sixth game, it didn't matter. And then you get you get the decent draw, I think Copenhagen, we should be able to beat them, and then getting the good result away from home, and then the, just the disaster at Celtic Park. And as I said, we're flying at the time, so it, it was just out of nowhere. You can always tell, well, I feel you can always tell by how the other team react. You know, how, how the opposition react when they beat us and Copenhagen were going tonto. They yeah. were tonto at yeah. uh, Celtic Park and they were going tonto in, in Copenhagen as well. That was a game there that, that was for the taking. And again, overall, I think I think Europe was terrific. I think we've we done really well in Europe. It was just one or two wee sour moments. Cluj and Copenhagen in particular quite sibled it for me. Julian's been a key player for us this season um, I, I don't think there's any doubt of the bat Melly scoring against Lazio scoring in the League Cup final the game that we've spoken about he was one of 13 players believe it or not 13 mm. players that, that, that were brought in over two transfer windows last summer how do you think overall our transfer business has gone I'll, I'll run through the players for you because no doubt you will have forgotten some of them Julian that we've already mentioned Luca Connell Bowling goalie, El Hamed, Afolabi, Fraser Foster, we've already discussed, Moritz Bauer, Elianusi, Greg Taylor, Leo Connor, Jeremy Frimpong, who can forget? Let's get rocking, Patrick Clamalla, and uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, forgot all about him. Yeah, is is Mela Soro. Overall, transfer business Melee. For me, summer window great, winter window crap. Yeah, the winter window would have been as well not signing MD because they've made absolutely no difference whatsoever. And from what I've seen of Klamala, I don't think he's going to he's going to cut the mustard. But the summer transfer window, we really needed to get most of these right, and we can leave O'Connell and Affalabi because they didn't really make significant impacts because they are younger yeah. players. But the rest of them, need enough. Everyone was spot on. Bauer only lost his place because Frimpong was so good and watching the scouting of him when we done it I thought see if this guy gets a chance he's lightning didn't expect it to be this good for him but El Hamid slotted in at Ibrox did a great job as soon as Julian got that first game out of the way we were a bit a bit wary of him he just looks like he's been there for years and the rest of the signings they've all been great and they've added to a, a quite a solid core of the team and we've just looked solid since then. We're, we're really looking strong towards the end of the season there. And it's looking back over the last couple of years before that, it was disastrous transfer window wise. Brendan Rogers just, we got it really, really wrong. And to go from that to get maybe five in the summer that all went right was vital. What were you, Stephen? Overall view of uh, Celtic's transfer business? I mean, I think it was obvious we needed a left back, wasn't it? Because KT was going centre yeah. half. That was centre half was a position that we definitely needed filled. Um, I think the key positions that we thought we needed at the beginning of the season, I think, I think they definitely got filled with some decent players. Yeah, the, the only complaint really I would have had would be up front. At that point, we didn't really know what was going to be happening with Lee Griffiths. I think we, he was still kind of an unknown quantity given what he was what he was going through. But see, having said that. I now no longer, obviously we acknowledge it because it's part of the, the season we're looking back on, but I now no longer want to look at Lee Griffiths through the lens or through the prism of 
what he's been through because I think it, it kind of does him a disservice now. I feel as yeah. if we're all kind of all, always looking at him as if nah, you know he's doing well for for what what's happened to him. Agreed, when really the reality well is, yeah, when really the reality is. He's been brilliant. He's been absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant when, he, when he's come back. Obviously, we acknowledge it and we we give him immense credit for the strength it took to to overcome what he's been through. But comes a time when we need to start looking at looking at him as a footballer again, and that's exactly what he's gone about proving to everyone to prove all the doubters wrong. I, I was probably in that camp as well. I, I I never at any point wrote him off, but I was thinking I, I, I'm starting to wonder what if anything. We'll, we'll see from Lee Griffiths that he's been away from football for so long. But to, to come back in and score, I think he scored 11 goals last season, which is remarkable, really. He only had a couple of weeks to save his season as well. So it's <laughs> Is that boy day? That boy yeah. day give him a, yeah. The sound bites this season have been absolutely immense, haven't <laughs> they? There's been so many, you could reel them off, but just... Time after time, we've seen these guys come out and we've seen it on the Clyde one recently, these guys coming out and backing Rangers to win the league at the start of the season. We've had Boyd, we've had Alex Ray, all these guys coming out. And as you said, Jamie, Celtic do their talking on the pitch. And it's as simple as that. We're winning the pitch and at the end of the day, we're champions again. But I've slightly derailed us there, of course, but what I meant to say was that (laughs) it's not like me. Um, I, I think the... The striker situation probably could have been strengthened, particularly with the move to the to two up front, because we've not really got much in in reserve. We've got Bayo who has come in and done a, done bits and pieces here and there. Still largely that unproven. That is generous. That is very <laughs> yeah. generous. Largely unproven at the, the top level because I think he's to to date he's only officially scored against Clyde and Partick Thistle, who neither of which are. Our top flight clubs. I could be wrong on that. I'm just doing that off the top of the dome piece, but still that was largely a good unproven. One from, uh, Craig Levine bumping those goals off and won it as well. <laughs> nah, <laughs> that's right. Aye. <laughs> Craig Levine scores, uh, stole his goals, uh, and we've got Klamala who we've seen almost nothing from, and I, I kind of agree with Melly that I've not really been impressed so far. So I, I would like to maybe have had some sort of better reinforcements there, but I'm nitpicking to be perfectly honest. It was. It was a largely successful season when it came to transfers. And it's the first time you could really say that for quite a while. We all know what happened under Brendan Rodgers eventually. We very recently in, in a group chat, we were talking about the window that saw Schwed, Bio, those two American boys come in. and Barkwea. yeah. It's what, mm. We all know how broken it was. We can look back now with... Tolian. A great deal. Yeah, we, we confidence and realise just how broken it was between Brendan Rodgers and the board because the transfers that were happening were, well, they, they weren't happening, let's face it. I, I was impressed with the, the summer window. I, I think you're right. A striking option was definitely something that, that we needed. I wasn't too impressed with the, the January window. I think there's something to come from Soro. Listen, to ranking at the reserves, yeah. he seems to think he looks like a tidy enough wee player. Yeah. Um, as for Patrick Clamalla, the reports... Nope. Yeah, the, the reports that we got, the scouting reports we got, I mean, I know other people were comparing it with Jamie Vardy and Lewandowski and all this sort of thing. <laughs> it was, it was what the scouting report we got back was miles off that and the, what you hear from Celtic is miles off that and the fact that he's barely featured, it, it seems like that's true. So my signing of the season, I'm going to be completely pragmatic here and say, Christopher, is, oh, actually, I've just changed my mind at the last minute. My signing of the season is Fraser Foster. If I wanted to be nice, I would have said... Frimpong, but it's it's Fraser Foster's my signing of this season, Melly. 
It's a difficult one because Foster has been brilliant from Pong emerged and was unbelievable from what we first thought. We thought we'd maybe see this guy a couple of games towards the end of the season, but he's basically nailed down that right-back spot for himself while uh, uh, Elhamid was out, who was another good signing apart from the injuries. But between Julian and Foster, but I think Elianusi, if he hadn't got injured, could have been up there as well. So we, we got it right so many times. I'm going to go with Julian just because he's our player and not on loan. Steven. Yeah, difficult to argue with the logic of that. I would still go for Foster, though, for all the reasons I said earlier. I, I'm not going to go fully back into it, but all the reasons that I detailed earlier about his, his performances in the, the Cup final and in Europe, I think Foster has been incredible. Frimpong <laughs> has been great as well in his in his own way. Obviously, hasn't played anywhere near as much as the, the other guys. He's maybe, we've maybe had maybe 14, 15 appearances out of him, but what an impact he made when he came in. Yeah. I remember his debut. I think it was at home to Partick Thistle where he he was left back for a Celtic corner because to, to utilise his speed should the ball break away and they stuck Kenny Miller on him on the halfway line. <laughs> I remember that. The ball, the ball breaks to Kenny Miller and Kenny Miller decides to take Frimpong on a run so he knocks it past him and tries to outpace him and Frimpong just absolutely <laughs> roasts him in about three paces. Kenny Miller ran and ran and ran and ran and after two feet Frimpong was away from him uh, so I've just thought there and then I'm in I'm in on Jeremy Frimpong but he, he's been great signing of the season though Fraser Foster for me so as we're coming to the end of this season review there's only a couple more bits of business left to tie up um, before we go back and look at our bold predictions from the beginning of the season I'm going to ask both of you for your young player and player of the year and I'm going to make it very easy for you. My young player of the year is Jeremy Frimpong. Yeah. And my player of the year is, and I'm extremely torn here, and if I could do the old Hearts and Rickson and let them share it, I would. But <laughs> I, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm extremely torn here between McGregor, who's just out, who's, who was out of this world this season. Consistency, like you wouldn't believe. Talent and skill, like you wouldn't believe. I love the way that he approaches the game. I love the way that he talks about the game. I think his, his technique has come on leaps and bounds, especially under Brendan Rodgers. And I think we saw the fruits of that yeah. this season. I think this season was definitely peak McGregor. As much as I love him and as much as he's my type of footballer, he just doesn't he doesn't get my fizzer going as much as Odson Edward <laughs> does. So it's player of the year is the sublime Odson Edward, who's who seems to have limitless talent, limitless ability yeah. to score goals, who is another one, the likes of Van Dyke, who appears to find this league far too easy. It's like he's playing it and everyone else is in slow motion. It's like Matrix shit out there. He's ducking and diving <laughs> yeah. and holding players up. No defence in this league can cope with him. Does it in Europe? Does it for Celtic in domestic competition? Um, and I really, really, really do. I know I said this when Dembele was on the way out, but I really do worry that Odson Edward will be the last of the, the generation because I, I, I just don't know where we're going to unearth another one. So my player of the year is Odson Edward. My young player of the year is Jeremy Frimpong, Melly. It's hard to disagree with anything you said there, Frimpong, apart from getting that injury. He was near perfection. His first five games, he could have been man of match in every single one. That's right, yeah. So he's he's yeah. my young player. And I'm torn with for the player as well. Cal McGregor has so consistent, but... He's upped his consistency before it was a seven and eight. Now it's an eight and a nine. It's a yeah. bog standard 
eight out of ten from him every week. The consistency he shows is incredible. But he he's just he's there and he's always there and God bless him. But Odson <laughs> Edward is that guy that gets my fizzle going as well. He's just every time he's on the pitch, I think we could win this game. And if we don't, we'll at least score because he's tremendous and he's one of the best players I've seen at Celtic. So I'm going to give it to Austin Edward because he's got that X factor about him. So Stephen, for you, young player, obviously Jeremy Frimpong, I'm going to guess, and player of the year's probably Johnny Hayes. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Well done. Have you been reading my notes here? Um, No, it's, it's exactly the same as what everyone said. It's impossible to disagree. I think there are many... Players deserving of honourable mentions, but Odson Edward has been, just been something else this season. What was it, 28 goals? Would have been many more had the season uh, been allowed to continue due to circumstances. But uh, an incredible season, one of the best, as, as Mel said, just one of the best from anyone that you can possibly remember. It's something you mentioned there as well, Jamie, the matrix. What happens when Odson Edward gets the ball in the box is that time just freezes, time stops, and he suddenly has more than anyone else. He is deciding while everyone else is just frozen. When is the last time you saw Odson Edward? A ball like a ball comes fizzing at him and he snatches at it, it bobbles up him, he, he slides in on the keeper and then the chance is away. Then he has to follow up and he's it never happens. The ball no. just sticks to him and he puts it away with just ice coolness. Every almost every I mean it's impossible to say that he doesn't miss chances, but one on one the there's a fair chance, there's an almost 100% chance that the ball is going to end up in the back of the net. And an incredible season. Callum McGregor as well. I spoke last week about how consistent he's been. I also, we've failed to mention this guy at all uh, since we've been recording tonight, but Ryan Christie for the first part of yeah, the season yeah. was absolutely incredible as well. F- to open the season, the, the league season, with a hat-trick in that 7-0 game. He scored, I believe, 19 goals this season, seven of which were in Europe. So Charm as well has came on this Charm, season. when he came into the team and made himself a mainstay, made himself a must-pick for that for that period of the season as well. Absolutely brilliant. There, there are so many. We could run, we could spend the entire Scott podcast doing well. this. Scott, yeah, yeah, Scott, Scott Brown. Yeah, yeah, Scott yeah. Brown definitely deserves it. I don't think he's quite player of the year, when sta- but only because he's stacked up against guys like this who've had seasons like that. Any other any other ordinary season, Scott Brown would have been right in there, but just not against Edward or McGregor. Or M- Same with Forrest as well. These yeah, guys Forrest. are all performing at such a high level that we're, sort of, we're expecting it of them now. Forrest, yeah. Brown, McGregor. It's 7, 8, 9 out of 10. That's what you're getting off them. Forrest maybe had a few quieter games, but that's typical for a winger. But these guys, the consistency they show is unbelievable. See the consistency thing, right? Um, this and this might it's obviously going to come across, but I'll try and explain it. Come across like a ridiculous comparison, but I like most of the world have recently been watching The Last Dance on Netflix about Michael Jordan and the nineties Chicago Bulls teams, and what comes across in that is that just the unfathomable mentality it takes to be at the top of any sport I think we as fans are sometimes guilty of thinking well they're just better like such and such is just better than them so but it's that's not enough it's not enough yeah. like to to deliver that this level of consistency that Celtic do takes extraordinary will to win and I'm not saying Callum McGregor is like Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan we can come across like a bit of a bully and a bit of a sociopath when he's trying to win. But the desire to win that must feature in some of these guys' minds is almost impossible to understand by us mere mortals. And I think 
as I, as I say, we're sometimes guilty of thinking, well, they're just really good at football, so they're obviously going to win. But I, I just mean, yes, on a game-to-game basis, on an individual game basis, yes, your talent will carry you far. But to do it every single week, like Celtic somehow yeah, managed to do this season, it just takes the level well beyond just plain talent does. So there we go, official 20-minute Tim's Player of the Year, Odson Edward, official 20-minute Tim's Young Player of the Year, Jeremy Frimpong, and that brings us nicely into our bold predictions. Now, if you don't know what the bold predictions are, at the beginning of every season, we sit down and we make a couple of bold predictions each, usually three, and then we review them at the end of the season. So this is like your this is like your report card. This is what I like to call who knows the most about football. That's what I like to call it. <laughs> yeah. um, so first up, Stephen Melly. Melly's bold predictions. It was Edwards last season. Well, that remains to be seen. I don't know yeah. if that's so bold, pretty safe. But, you know, there's there's a lot of talk just now, a lot of rumours that Odson Edward is going to be given a bumper contract to stay for the 10, to stay for that extra year. So time will tell on that one. Johnston, Get it done, Celtic. Get it up, done. Yes. Absolutely. Johnston, Christie and Forrest, over 48 goals. That was your bold prediction, Melly. Yeah, well, these yes. are done before... Quote, bold. Uh, these are done before the transfer window shuts. This is right at the start of the season, so we hadn't signed Elianusi at this point, and Mikey Johnson was flying at the time. So, another one who got a really bad injury during the yeah. season, of course, Mikey Johnson. So that's that's derailed him slightly. But I think he's worthy of mentioned that it had a pretty good, pretty good and successful season as well for his own developing not, not level. Look, not a million miles off. Combined, they got forty-one goals. So, should had the season, had the season yep. of finished, Melly, you could have hit that target. Yeah, if you if you give me Elian Ussi for Johnson because he played more, I'd no, have... you can't just swap out players to make your bold prediction correct. That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, Scott Brown, not first choice by the end of the season. Oh, that was a stupid one, wasn't it? <laughs> Absolutely wrong. Uh, you thought Encham would be Player of the Year and Ayer would be Young Player of the Year. Not been decided yet, but it's looking distinctly unlikely. Yeah. In fairness to Melly, Scott Brown was fair bombed out for that last eight games of the season, wasn't he? Barely, yeah. barely oh. featured. He was barely... barely. <laughs> even, even grew his hair back and everything. Couldn't <laughs> even bother. Stephen, Melly, here's Stephen's end of season report card. Celtic to score 107 league goals. Ambitious, no. but given that, given that extra eight games, you never know. What do we have, 89? So I needed 18 goals. That's some quick maths there, I might be wrong. 18 goals in eight games. 18 goals. Well, on average, I've worked this out for you, Celtic would have scored another 22 goals. Oh, well, I undersold it then. (laughs) So so I'm going to give you that, okay? I'm going to do... Listen, if it's good enough for the SPFL to do average points, it's good enough for Jamie to do average (laughs) goals for you Uh, too. Stephen, you you had Ayer and Julien to score 11 goals between them. I can inform you tonight, Stephen... That after having done some quick maths, they scored 11 goals between them exactly. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, Chris yes. Friar scored four Screw goals. Screw blockbusters. <laughs> <laughs> and Julian got seven. So I'm giving you a big shiny tick for that one. You I'm, get that I'm one not back. giving him that one. because No, Melly, well, I'm, I'm the ring master of this. If, this you, get, if you do it over the, the course of the season, surely they'd get another one or two, so he'd have been wrong. No, I think that's too complicated. <laughs> You're getting that point. Thank you. Thank you. Well done, Steve. Uh, you said, Stephen, Gerard and Neil Lennon will make physical contact that is not <laughs> a handshake. You were, predict- you were predicting some drama there. Yeah, some some Aldi Baldi. Yeah, I don't think that took place. So you're not getting that one. No, again, the the games were halved that they that they could have had. So and it may get to it may get tense towards those last those last two Glasgow derbies of the season, but we'll never know. So that's a failure on that one. 
So, Stephen, your fourth one was Ryan Christie to get double figures and goals, which he did do. Assists, which he did do. <sighs> and and cards, which unfortunately didn't. He only oh, got seven cards in total oh. that season. Was it your seven? Year was, I think it was eight, seven and, and a red. So seven oh, bookings and a red, eight. I think, yeah. So oh, so, so there you go. So three shots. Oh, well. Ah, you were. You've done, you done well, though. You've done well in yeah. this year's bold predictions. Uh, Christie was your player of the year and Henderson, young player of the year. Ooh. I don't think any of those are going to come to pass. Mm. Now, for me, Celtic to break 100 points to 100 goals. Well, ach, I'm going to give myself that. <laughs> yeah. Celtic oh, to break... Celtic to break transfer record never happened. No. Uh, I thought we'd push the boat out. Mm, could I give myself a could I manipulate this in some way to make myself a winner? No, I can't, unfortunately. <laughs> Karamoko Karamoko Dembele to make ten appearances. No, no, nope. not not at all. Did he actually did he how many appearances did he? Two make? or three, maybe I'm, I think I possibly. I remember he came off Kloosh. the bench against Hearts, did he? Yeah. Mm, oh, clues, no, yeah, that, started that game, of course, yeah. Okay. Oh, no, the Hearts, the Hearts one was the previous season, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, My player of the year was Edward. Aye, okay, but to be fair, that wasn't the boldest of predictions. And young <laughs> player of the year was Christopher Ayer. So that is our bold predictions. So before I turn to you guys for your final thoughts on the podcast, which we a brief look forward to next season, I turn to our patrons on Discord to get access to our Discord group as a, a Patreon reward uh, and ask them for their thoughts on the nine-in-a-row season. Uh, Ian Smith said it was never in doubt we bookended a decent European run with shape results January transfer as always disappointing so you thought mm. the league was never in doubt C. McCullough said in all a fantastic season I have loved the second coming of Lenny the football has been thrilling at times and I have grown to adore this group of players I think that's an absolutely terrific comment yeah. there nice uh, Stephen Pickering says Lennon seems so much more composed and calculated in the touchline than he did in his first spell. I think that's something important to pick on, isn't it's it? Certainly Stephen? worth saying, yeah, without a doubt. We, I think like, some of the reaction to when he got the job again was, with reason, a wee bit concerned about his uh, his past combustibility, shall we say, on the touchline. It's gotten him into trouble. It's gotten him suspensions and all that in the past. No sign of it whatsoever. He's been a, a different man by his own word as well. He he says he's he's totally different. He's grown up an awful lot, and he's much like Lee Griffiths. All you can do is just go out there and prove that you're different, that that you deserve the, the credit for turning things around. And that's exactly what Lennon's done. He's shut he's shut up about it. He's just got on with being the professional and calm influence that we all know he can be. And that's a running theme, you know. Rory, Darren Dyer, Kieran Paul, and Kibo. All these guys in the Discord said that they've been thoroughly proved wrong by Neil Lennon. They weren't happy with the appointment, but as the season's borne out, and and I think that's I think that's one thing to, to comment on as well. I know we touched on it last season. Us as a collective of a podcast weren't overwhelmed by Neil Lennon, but we've been well proved wrong. And Neil Lennon said it himself. He said it himself in an interview. I believe it was published today or yesterday that you know he feels he's completely completely proved all the doubters wrong do you think do you think that's the case Melly? Com uh, completely no no questions over neil lennon no doubts whatsoever he's completely proved everyone wrong yeah i think he's right and i think he's got every right to say that as well we it was as i said a year ago today we won the treble treble when he was appointed we we're a bit disappointed but then he's got his own players and he's played his own style of football and you know what we we're a bit brainwashed by rogers in the end but this was better Apart from the Invincible treble, it was better than Rogers' other two seasons. And I've thoroughly enjoyed going to every game I could this season. It's been great to watch. There's barely been any games where I thought that was boring. We have been 
Lenny Ball's been in full effect. So I think it's fair to say that there's an enormous amount of pressure on Neil Lennon for this season. You do not want to come in and fall at the first hurdle, as it would be. And I've always kind of maintained that nine in a row, ten in a row is obviously special, but we weren't going to talk about that. Nine in a row was a, a fantastic and historic achievement it's borne out to be. Next season, we can officially say, as Neil Lennon says, we're going for the ten. Oh. It gives me goosebumps just to say it. But it's, it's, it's so big, you don't even want to mention it, right? We're going for 10 next year. Let me ask you a question, Stephen. Do you think there was more pressure on Neil Lennon this time last year than there is right now? Because I feel I feel by winning nine, there's a lot of pressure off. Ten's yeah. a bonus. Yes. Oh, God, do you know what? It's a tough question, this, because there was, a, there, was, <laughs> there was huge pressure on him coming in because... I don't mean he has to win 10 in a row, but in a way he sort of does. Like we have been building up to this for seven years now. As soon as it was two in a row, we were already talking about 10 in a row. The, the pressure on him next season is going to be massive. There was huge pressure on him coming in, even just to get that previous season, just to get the eight finished, never mind the nine. There was massive pressure on him then. Huge pressure on to get the nine in a row, but 10, is it a bonus? Uh, now that we're standing on the doorstep of it. No, I, I don't mean it's like as good as one. I just mean now that we're knocking on the door of going under that season, the pressure is significant. Absolutely buzzing yeah. for it. Melly. He do doesn't seem to feel it though. What I would say is no. that he doesn't seem to be wearing it. He, he doesn't seem to be displaying that there's pressure on him. I mean, things may be different during the, the season that's that's about to happen. Well, at some point in the near future. But it, it doesn't seem to be buckling under it. Melly, do you think Neil is under more pressure now than he was this time last season? No, I think uh, he's proved the doubters wrong. He came in, he had to steady the shit and get us over the line. He got us over the line, we got the treble treble. But this season, we went from strength to strength. After Cluj, we went on a massive run. After getting beat by Rangers, we went on a massive run. This season's probably been beyond my wildest dreams because I thought the league would be a lot tighter. And look, that's down to Celtic being brilliant. That's not down to Rangers been bad they, they slipped up but Celtic capitalised on every single time they slipped up and went further ahead and that's down to Lennon to win 26 out of 30 games is unbelievable because I thought it'd be a lot tighter and we'd drop more points so oh, he's proved me wrong and I think next year because we've won the league by such a distance this season the pressure's on Rangers because they have to stop us and we are in a, we're in a good place and if we can keep this squad together maybe lose one as long as it's not Edward or McGregor. We are definite favourites. So I think we're looking good going into next season. When I say, I, I should probably be more specific about what I mean by the pressure that I think he's under. I don't mean from, I don't mean from doubters. I'm not suggesting that people don't think he can do it. I just mean that we almost demand this now. Now, now that we're now that we're here, we've been talking about this so long. It's going to be such a such a he massive would, he achievement. He wouldn't want it any other way, but would he? Well, that that's what I mean when I, when I say he's not he's not wearing it. It, it doesn't seem to be weighing him down any. But the pressure is is definitely there, and he will he will be aware of it. No one knows better than Neil Lennon how much Celtic, in a way, need to win the ten. I'm trying not to say that it's where we're demanding it. I'm trying not to use that word, but in a way. We sort, of, we sort of are. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's been it's been Just so long. It. Just say it. <laughs> Lennon, so help me God if you don't deliver that <laughs> <anyone. laughs> But you know, you mean we've, we've been waiting for this. We've been singing about it. We've been talking about it so long that it just feels, how could we not, how could we not win it at this point? So the pressure is there, but Neil Lennon is the man, is the man to carry that pressure. I don't know if anyone else would 
there is there's an argument to be made that Wim Janssen was the right guy to come in from that other end because he didn't feel any of the pressure. But Neil Lennon, Neil Lennon knows what it takes, and I know that's a big cliche. That, that that's a big cliche when it comes to management. It, it's more than knowing what it takes and knowing the city and all that. But he knows the pressures more than anyone else associated with Celtic. I think it, there's more pressure on the guy trying to stop it than there is than the guy trying Fox to win it. That's yeah, why that's big, Janssen big. came in and it was a good appointment because he can just take himself out that and say, all I've got to do is win the league here. He didn't yeah. have to stop the 10, stop that. He just had to win the league. Whereas Lennon has been there and done it. He's won title after title with Celtic as a player, as a manager. Five as a player, five as a manager. Nobody's done that before. He's going for six now and he will want to write himself into the history books again. Who's going to be the Huns? Janssen? Who do they need to call upon? No, nobody. <laughs> Alex and, Ray? And, this, <laughs> and, this, and that, that's, that's the thing. I think this is a good place to wrap up. You know, on the on the verge of a historic season, Neil Lennon has been close and distance many, many times. He knows yeah. exactly what it takes to win the league and he's going up against a guy. I'm not saying it's a done deal. Next season's going no, to be no. absolutely tough. No. Every team including Rangers, every single team in the league, whatever the league looks like, is going to throw absolutely everything at Celtic to stop the win of 10. It's going to be cup final after cup final. It's going to be tough. Neil Lennon is going to need fully backed by the board. Yep. If there's money there, that means Elianusi if he wants him. That means Foster if he wants him. That means extra money to give Edward. And we can seriously mitigate any disasters by just keeping the players that we have already. Yep. Just keeping as many of the players as we have already. If Steven Gerrard had brains, he'd quit Rangers right now. Oh, if, if, yeah, Steven, yeah. if Steven Gerrard had brains, he would quit Rangers. He could quit right now and say, look how far I brought them. They were getting pumped 5-0. They were losing here, left, right and centre. I've built them up. There's good players there. I've brought a professional standard. Someone else can take them forward now because you don't want to be your man, the man with a hand on the tiller as, as Celtic went 10 in a row. But crucially, he won't leave Rangers because mm. his ego is such that he <laughs> still thinks he can do it. He, he thinks he can do it. And I don't think he can. And one last thing as well. Have you ever seen Gerard win the league? <laughs> Let's, not tempt, no. Let's <laughs> not tempt fate too much. Let's not tempt fate too much. And on that bombshell, I think that's a terrific place to end. Uh, would you like to say goodbye to the boys and girls, Stephen? Goodbye to the boys and girls. Would you like to say see you next season, Melly, to the listeners? See you next season, listeners. We will indeed see you next season. Thank you. Thanks to everyone who joined us this season. Thanks to everyone who's been listening. We really appreciate every single listener, every review, every tweet, every message, every DM, every iTunes review you give us. It's very much appreciated. And Jamie, just something just quickly before I go as well is uh, you mentioned earlier the Discord group. Uh, that has been a tremendous buzz this season as well. There's the, some of the, I mean, after the Lazio game, we did it on a match companion. And I, I was up to about two o'clock in the morning just chatting to folk. And, <laughs> and it, because, you know, di Discord, for anyone who isn't aware, is basically like our big WhatsApp group. There's, there's a community, a kind of forum we've built uh, with patrons. It's all, all good people, all chatting. But the buzz after that Lazio game just just made my season as I say I, I said in there I was like I'm going to be up all night talking to people you get me in here I'm going to be lying on my side in bed under the covers with my phone in front of my face just chatting to people it was absolutely brilliant so thanks to everyone who's contributed in some way to that as well yeah and thanks especially to the patrons uh, your guys support has been unbelievable uh, and thanks to everyone who comes and says hello to us in the pub and says, hi and all that sort of stuff very much appreciated we will see you next season for what is going to be an enormous season for Celtic it's going to be for the podcast we've got so much good stuff planned thanks for listening
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.